Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. Here we are, we're all together again. Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing and joining us. It's episode 22. Um, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Well, I say bad, I say good. Right, so episode 22 this week. We know it's near Christmas, so next week we're going to put out episode 23, right? The week after... Look, we're all going to be filling ourselves with turkey and mince pies. Well, let's just have a break for a week. You know what? We're going to miss you, but let's just have a break. Fill your boots with your food. The following week, there is going to be an episode. It's going to be the best of the Two Shot Podcast 2017. Now, this is where you come in. You've only got a couple of weeks left. Email your favourite little sections of your favourite episodes. Just look where you, on your phone, you know, you've got your podcast there. Little timeline, if it's 21 minutes and 8 seconds, put that in. Say, Griff, Craig, we love from 21.18 to 32.14. So we know where we can do it. We can cut it out and we can say, this is your favourite bit on the podcast. We're going to mash it all together and it's going to be a bumper. It will probably be, well, it'll be well over an hour, let's just say. And then normal service will be resumed in the new year okay so that is what's going on for the next few weeks this week episode 22 what did we do myself and the ever brilliant producer griff we traveled to home in manchester which we've been to a few times it's a fantastic venue i don't know if you've been there um go check it out there's theater there the cinema and if you fancy a lovely coffee or a pint get yourself down we went over there because episode 22 is with the quite brilliant and lovely Andy Sheridan. Um, I first worked with Andy around nine years ago. We were on a film together. And uh, since then, he's become a husband and a father and an award-winning playwright, which he's going to tell you about. It's a nugget of an episode, a little piece of gold, um, strap yourself in it's only I think it's just over 30 minutes um, I loved spending time with Andy and I'm really grateful that he came on let's have it this is episode 22 of the Two Shot Podcast with Andy Sheridan is this the first leg? is this the first the, the start of the talk? this is yeah it's nice to be back in the hometown to it's kick good. it off. Or? It's good, because I'm normally working at the exchange. That's kind of like my... I've worked there quite a bit. Yeah. I've worked here once before, but it's good to... It's, it's a bit weird, because we rehearsed in London for four weeks, and then we came here to open it. So it's a bit... It's just a bit mad. It's a bit schizophrenic to rehearse somewhere and then open in a completely different city, especially yeah. your home city. Of course, I mean? yeah. It's just a bit weird. Well, at least you've got your home comforts. I have, yeah, but it's also that thing. When you're away, you can be, be really selfish, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're at home, I've got my little three-year-old girl and then 
you've still got to do dad duties, like yeah. getting up at six in the morning and getting up in the middle of the night and all that sort of stuff. So, you know. But I was, I was, was it, was it, where did you grow up in Manchester? So I grew up, I was born in Wivenshaw and I grew up in Timperley, home of the great Ian Brown and Frank Sidebottom. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, I grew up there, went to school there. How was school life for you? It was good. I mean, it, it was weird. I was a bit of a slow developer, kind of like <laughs> intellectually, really. So I kind of didn't really learn to read or write until I was about seven. It was just something that never kicked in. Do you know what I mean? Was it? Was it? Was it? Wasn't there any sort of con- medical condition? No, or? I don't think it was. I was just. I, I just. I, I just didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? I just. I just didn't quite get it, and I kind of learned to write before I could read. Right. In a weird kind of way. Um, and it's weird. Says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my older brother was like super intelligent, and round it where I grew up, they still had the eleven plus. So I was kind of my brother was super brainy, and he's kind of now he's a consultant cardiologist. Um, but to, for me to be in the middle, I was kind of written off at kind of the age of six, saying, "Oh, he's not going to pass his eleven plus. He's always going to be pretty thick, and he's not really going to get to do anything." At that age, at, at a really young age, yeah. Because my little boy is just turned six at the moment, right. so yeah. he's just started every week. Yeah, every Friday they have to do a spelling test. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I did, but I remember cheating. I remember cheating on my times tables on my spelling tests. Oh yeah, cheating on my times tables. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I just copied what everyone else was writing. Yeah. Do you used to do that thing where you yeah, where you put your, your arms like that on the desk, curl your hand around, secretly looking. What at are you looking over? Yeah, yeah. Don't look at me. Copy my work. <laughs> yeah. And was uh, did you because of that? Did you find school certainly primary school tough or not really? Because um, not really because I just kind of did other stuff. Really, I kind of kept myself entertained otherwise. Really, were you sporty? No, I wasn't particularly sporty. I was... What did I actually do in school? I can't actually remember what I actually did, but I'd, I'd make stuff up, I know I did that. I remember telling everyone that I was in primary school, even though I was, um, I was like, Mancunian, blatant Mancunian. I made up lies like I was Canadian. <laughs> I was really Canadian, <laughs> and they weren't really my family. <laughs> my dad was a musician and he used to have this thing I used to, it was like a stamp that you you could put on like music to make tablature music and he used to stamp it on my ankle and I used to there was like little boxes in it and I used to tick it off and I told everyone that I'd been selected by the government that when aliens arrived that I would I was one of the people that I would, that would be saved <laughs> not be tested yeah, on yeah <laughs> Oh, my God. Weird stuff like that. So I was pretty weird as a kid, I imagine. But I don't think that is weird. I think th- this is all very telling mm. because it's every... It already, the, the seeds are started. It's starting yeah. from a very early age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you saying before then that you kind of learned to write yeah. before you could read, which yeah. I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll get on to yeah. later on. Yeah. And then, um, have you got brothers and sisters? So I've got an older brother and a younger of brother. Of course. So I'm in the middle. Right. So they're quite highly academic. My older brother's a consultant cardiologist, and my younger brother's a civil engineer, and I'm like the kind of <laughs> sort of arty one in the middle. What did you? What did your parents do? My dad had a uh, a pretty well. He had a really successful. He was part of the rag trade in Manchester, so he had a series of factories in town. Right. He had a fashion company, a denim company called the British Gene Corporation, 
which I always take the piss out of him now because it sounds like some branch of like Combat 18 or something <laughs> like that. Um, so he, he, he did really well and he kind of had sold uh, jeans and denim and clothes and stuff all over the north and northwest, like over in markets and shops and stuff like yeah. that. And did really well until he wasted all his money on like Rolls Royces and Jaguars and rare foreign coins and stuff like that that turned out to be worth nothing. And the, course, the essential stuff that yeah, you need. Do you know what life, I mean? Yeah. yeah. So uh, instead of being buying the factories that he was offered before the regeneration of Manchester, that he was offered at a really small price that would have made us, me and my brothers, extremely wealthy, he decided not to and wasted his money on worthless things. Oh, got it. Yeah. And what did your mum do? She, uh, she looked after us, but then um, she looked after old people. She was like home. She worked in old people's homes and she, then she became a home help. They're both retired now. Right. And when you started secondary school... Yeah. Were were you doing extracurricular stuff? When did the drama sort of kick in for you? I started doing drama. um, I started doing drama when I was in my last year of primary school before I went to secondary school. And it was me and my best mate. And a drama school, a drama group had opened up. And the only reason we went there was because we were the only two lads and there was about 20 girls. And they were all the fit girls, do you know what I mean? It's so funny, this has come up again. Just was so, when you were a young lad, you yeah. go, oh, it's it's just, it's they're all doing the drama, I should be doing the drama. They're, they're all the kind of really fit girls, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we just went because it, it was a way of spending more time with them. And then he wasn't really that into it, but I kind of got more, I got more into it. And I got more into it because we entered some kind of... Uh, festival and we did a play and I won like a an award of like best young actor of 1992 or something like that right and how old were you then now so that was not so I'm, I'm 41 now 1992 so that was just as I was secondary school I think right okay um and at that point I always remember that I thought I'd, I wouldn't mind going into TV and or theatre or something like that but I'd maybe do behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff and my older brother who has always been kind of super he- his head screwed on he said Andy maybe you're barking up the wrong tree there maybe you should follow this way go down that path of kind of doing something that you are genuinely you know genuinely good at and that was the first time I thought oh maybe I could do this do you know what I mean maybe this is the job that I could do well, great that an older brother would, would be so supportive. Yeah. Usually it's like the opposite yeah. way around, yeah. isn't it? When yeah. the, the older brother yeah. says to the younger, you can't do yeah, that, yeah. but well, you're wasting your time I'll for be crap that. Out of you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you ever get involved? Was the drama at school in your secondary school? Where was secondary school so for secondary you, by the way? secondary school was, uh, it was in Timpley, it's called Wellington right. Secondary School. Uh, so it was just a secondary modern. But there was, and... Uh, no, there wasn't any until we got into third year, but I left that school and went to another secondary school because my mum and dad thought I could do better at another school. And I only spent six weeks there and went back to my original school. Really? Yeah. How how did you find that? It was horrible going to this new school because everyone had already made mates, do you know what I mean? And I hung around with um, this really strange... The only person who kind of would talk to me was this lad called Charles Horton. He was a top character, but he used to spend the weekends dressing up as an old man and going into car showrooms pretending he was, like, in his 60s so he could get car magazines. <laughs> he was proper barking mad. He used, to write, he used to write on a ruler, do you know what I mean? He'd yeah. Just, he'd, I mean, really weird. 
So yeah, and uh, I got into a bit of trouble there, and so I, I ended up leaving there after six weeks and went back to my original school, and it was the best thing that happened to me because I just went back and thought, this school is amazing, I, I can do really well, and I, I actually flew then. I actually kind of, be, you know, I really, I did well. So you went back to that school and mm. you were flying and you found it, you were totally back and you were accepted with, with totally the friends accepted, and everything. I was totally accepted, yeah, yeah. I was um, totally accepted by everyone. And obviously you were happier. I was happier, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I did really well. And, and weirdly, I, I don't know what had happened in that six weeks from being away, but I came back just kind of being a little bit cleverer and I don't know why, how that had happened I don't know what had happened but I'd can't, I, when I came back I was, for some reason I was just really good at history I was really good at English I, I don't know whether it was being away and learning that this place that I'd gone to wasn't right and, I'd, and you were obviously unhappy at the yeah, other school yeah I, 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 I don't know what it was but you feel more confident? I was really confident and <laughs> I, you know like a you know, I went on to be head boy at that school. Did you? I think I was the only head boy who smoked. For, do you know what I mean? And the <laughs> teachers all knew that I smoked, but they, 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 and I was always kind of gobby and opinionated, and I never wore the uniform. I always kind of had my take on the uniform. I always yeah. wore braces and boots and stuff like that. Um, I, but I was always kind of different. Do you know what I, mean? I was? Just a little bit different. But they kind of respected that because they knew that they kind of em- they kind of embraced my individuality as well. How incredible, because usually at school it's yeah. completely yeah. opposite. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. Is, is uniform. Mm. I was lucky. And was, was drama on the syllabus at your school? It was, school? yeah. So when I went back, I did uh, uh, performing arts, it was. Mm. So it was kind of everything, do you know what I mean? But most of it was drama. Most of it was drama. And I was still doing the drama group as well outside of that. Oh, you were still carrying on yeah. with their extracurricular? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was your mate who wasn't that into it, was he still doing it no, as well? No, he got kicked out. Oh, did he? Yeah. What would he get kicked out for? He got kicked out because he met the, the, the woman who ran it. He lived next door to her and she found out that uh, Anthony, who was my mate, was selling her son cigarettes and right. she just lost it. It's all right, we can bleep names and everything. No, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I'm sure she's forgiven him. Yeah, more. yeah. And did you feel there was a... Di- even though the uh, secondary school, on the syllabus, it was classed as performing arts and you were doing extracurricular drama, mm. did you see a difference between the two? Or were you getting uh, equal measure out of both of them? Um, I think the one at school was a bit sharky, really. It was just... It was just an, I did it just because it was like a an option on the syllabus, do you yeah. know what I mean? I probably got more out of the one that I did out of... Because we did full productions, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Plays. Um, so I probably got more out of out of that. Whereas the one in school was probably jack of yeah, all, yeah, master of none. Yeah, it was just, you know, you know make, a, make a video about something or... You know, in a roundabout yeah, way. Probably, probably because the teachers didn't even understand or, no, or no, care or have any passion no, for no, it. No, not at all. And when... Was there a point where you thought to yourself, oh, yeah, I think this is the route I need to go down now. This is what's going to happen. Was there a point at school? I think the, the, the biggest point was I... There was a, this play at the contact where it was kind of like a youth theatre in Manchester and they did, like, a summer production, all of, like, young young people, about talking monkeys or something. Right. Um, 
and I auditioned for it and I got on and you spent the whole summer doing it was like drama looking back it's I, it was like drama school you know you're doing voice and movement and, wow for, and, you, for the whole for summer for the whole summer and how old were you then when you did that so I was fifth. I was 15 then and was this something that obviously you had to audition for it mm. but you didn't have to pay anything no you didn't have it. to pay anything no so who funded that then? It must have been something... Because contactors uh, used to have lots of... I think their funding all came from the council and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, but it's nice, because you're working with like professional directors and choreographers, and the guy that came in to teach, me, teach you how to be a monkey was actually the main guy who was the monkey in Greystoke or something like right. that. I mean, it, it was incredible. And was it all young folk, or was it anybody could... I think the age group, the age, the age range, ranged from... I think it was like... Eight and maybe about eight, and there were people at university. So I was kind of mixing with a massive, broad spectrum of people. Um, and it's weirdly, I met Rebecca Callard on that job, right? And we started going out. We went out with each other on that job during the summer. During the, the summer. summer romance, yeah, summer romance. Wow. So the extent that when I met her years later, she didn't even remember it. <laughs> no, I always remembered it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. She was like, "No, I can't remember you." I think she yeah, did. Yeah, she's been cool. <laughs> what a summer, though. Yeah, it was great. And what a brilliant thing. Yeah, it was really good. And did you feel at the end of the summer, yeah, we're on, I think we should, I think we should so. be doing yeah, this. Yeah, it was just one of those... Yeah, and then I went and did A-levels, and then... So you were still cracking on academically? Yeah, I was still rubbish, you know. I, st- I, I just blagged my way through it, do you know what I mean? My, yeah. my main... My, I think when I went to do my A-levels, my main goal was, I'm going to get to drama school. I want to move out of Manchester, I want to move to London, and I want to go to drama school. So then what happened after A-levels? I went to, That's what I did. Where did you, where did you I went go? went to Rose Bruford. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just really, you know, really young, young lad. I mean, I was really young. Did you go at 18? Yeah. Yeah, so right on the acceptance yeah, level. Just, you're just in. 18. How did you find it, though? Because um, you obviously you have your preconceptions of what it's going to be like. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it, when people ask me about drama school now, I, I, I spent three years kind of continually questioning because the first year they told you kind of they kind of told you you were shit. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. The second year you kind of question, well, if if I if I'm shit, why I'm here? And then the third year you go, well, I can't be that shit or else they wouldn't have ever let me in. I'll do a bit of what I did before before I got in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was good. I mean, there was some good tutors. It was very political. Um, they sacked some of our favourite tutors. We took over the college. We did a city. We taught ourselves for like two weeks. We barricaded ourselves in. Really? Yeah, it was... It, yeah. Carnage? Yeah, it was carnage. It was just people fucking left, right and centre, you know? Yeah. But it was uh, but it was good, you know. It didn't do any good. None of the tutors got reinstated, but but, but uh, you know, sometimes you've got to just make a stand. Yeah, it was good. It was you know, it's on the news and everything. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What year was this? Like ninety? So that was five, ninety six, ninety five, ninety five. Yeah. And when you came out of that third year, and I suppose looking back on it now, because. You'll be what, like this is your like twentieth yeah year, isn't yeah. it? Do you look back on it with good memories? Or I do because you... I made some really good mates. Do you know what I mean? And it was just a really good laugh. I spent the whole three years drinking and getting drunk, really, and doing things that you're not really meant to do. Yeah, but which you do at that age, of course. Um, and that was probably more of an education than the education that 
than what I got at drama school um, and the people that I met. And, and I can actually trace my where my where I am today to, to my last day of college, to the person that I worked with on a play at drama school who suggested me to Simon Stevens, and that started my relationship with Simon Stevens. It still goes on to this day like, yeah. for 20 years. And he suggested me to people who I still work with to now, to, you know, to this day. So I can really trace where it all started to. Because that's what I want to talk about, really. When did the, the playwriting come into involved? Really, late, late on. I didn't write anything until I was uh, early 30s. And why? Just because I was out of work. Right, so you were backed into a corner. I was, I was just kind of... I'd got, I'd got to that stage where I'd worked quite a lot. I'd worked quite a lot in theatre, and then I was on that transition age between... I can't really play... Because I used to play teenagers right up until my, my 30s. Um, and I was at that transition age where you can't really get away with playing teenagers anymore. So those parts sort of dried up. And I got to know loads of playwrights as friends. And I, one particular, Robert Holman, who is like one of my best mates, this fantastic British playwright, I'd be on the phone to him every day and he'd just say, just write a play. Yeah. And this competition in Manchester, this Bruntwood playwriting yeah. competition started. And I just wrote, just, just wrote, not thinking about where it was going to get to, what it was going to do. And uh, I just wrote one page and then I'd, I'd write another page and then it turned into a scene, I'd write another scene. And, and by, you know, after a bit, I, I had a play, sort of a play. I, I didn't know whether it was a play or not or whether it was any good. And I just entered it and it just progressed through the competition and ended up winning it. I, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> it was brilliant news. I remember just, when I read about it, I thought just, that is fantastic just news. just kind of, uh, you know... Remarkable. Did you feel nervous... Showing someone your written work for the first time. Yeah, I, yeah. <clears throat> and who did you show it to for the, the first time? I showed it to Robert Holman. He reads whenever I write anything. He reads the first copy of anything I write, just because he's like, you know, he'll tell me whether it's rubbish or not, or, and I'll believe him, or whether it's good, you know, I'll believe him. Yeah. Um, showed it to him, and yeah, I, th- I think it's really you're really naked when you've written something because it's it's prop. I think I think if the first thing you ever write is really raw. And really, um, you know, it's just it's just blood and guts from you, really. And I think that's you know, you just laid bare to it. And was there a point where you felt a need to write another play? I did. I wrote another play straight away. Um, was it because you wanted to? Yeah, yeah. Just because I still, I still, still like it. I still think it's a bit. I still don't know whether it's a bit of luck. I don't know if I'm going to run out of stuff to write about. I don't know whether. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if I've just written a couple, a few plays and that's just by chance or whether, I don't know, it's, it's always a little bit of a test. Do you never, so you never feel that the playwriting is overtaking the passion for acting or vice versa? No, I always, I always feel when I'm writing, I always really, when I'm writing, I always want to act and when I act, I always want to write. Right. Like, I can't be pleased, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think both of them informed the other. I think, yeah, I think, I think I'm a better writer because I've acted. Definitely. Do you judge other people's plays? uh, I don't want to say more harshly, but I can't really think of Mm. anything else to say. um, When you're reading somebody else's work, because you, because you are a playwright and an actor now. I don't judge you. Sometimes I look at them and go. I mean, I write what I think 
actors will really want to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I try and make every part, you know, not every part can be a main part, but I, I try and write dialogue and action and story and plot that'd be inter- that I'd find interesting as an actor and hopefully other actors would find interesting. Yeah. And I think that's a, I, that's, that's a really lucky position for me to, 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 to be in. I don't think, I think, I think all I think you know there's loads of writers out there who haven't who haven't had acting experience who are very good but I just don't think they approach it from that sort of angle. So do you think in that respect No actually I won't ask that question. What I will ask is the reason I asked that question about you judging another play by being a playwright is because because as actors we read scripts all the time mm. and sometimes the dialogue is yeah, clunky yeah. because we're an actor. Yeah. We know how to yeah. speak yeah, dialogue, the, the rhythm of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think you, I think you'll know the amount of scripts that you get, and you can read a few pages, and you can kind of go, "I'm not really sure about this." Yeah, and I think that's the same with plays, really. I think, but you, other, you know, sometimes you, you can. Certainly, I can. You, you know, I think we all can. You, you you do read those first few pages, and you go. Uh, but I'm going to carry on, yeah. and then you're pleasantly surprised, yeah. or you're yeah, not. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it's like the start of somebody once said to me, uh, if you're going to go and buy a book, if you fancy it, make sure you read the first page mm. before you leave the bookshop, mm. and it'll just give you something. Mm. And if you mm. think that first page is good, then mm. you know, it, of course, mm. it's a gamble. Mm. But I think like that's with everything. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel a need, when you're not acting, to to get the computer out or the pen and paper or to be creative. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm always tinkering around. Um, but it's, the, the, the problem is now is time is because I, because I'm now I'm asked to write more and I'm asked to act more. It's about fitting them all in together. And of course this, like this job takes me up until beginning of December. I've got two, de- play, two play deadlines during the middle of this. Yeah. I've got, got to deliver a play to the Royal Exchange by the end of November and I'm already late on a deadline for a play. It's kind of finished, the other play, for the National Theatre of Sweden. Um, so it's just finding the time. I find it really hard to kind of cut my brain off. I can't, to, you know, to multitask different things, I find it really difficult. I've got you now, though, because I've been paid for it. And plus you're being a dad. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to finish this tour. Yeah, yeah. So this, this tour takes you up to December? Yeah. So it's not. A, it's quite not, a short yeah, yeah, space yeah, of time, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have you ever felt or thought to yourself when times are hard? Mm. Yeah, I'm done now with this acting. So I have gone through times, yeah, and I did go for a time where I was gonna, I was gonna jack it all in, and I was gonna become a gardener because I really, I, you know, I, I just, re- I really like gardening. And I thought, I really enjoyed it, so maybe I could make a bit of money out of it. But then... Because you really enjoyed the acting. Yeah. And you, you, yeah. you, want, to, you yeah. want to find something that, yeah. that, that doesn't feel yeah. like work, yeah. that you have a love yeah. for. Yeah. And what, how do you deal with the lean times? Um, I've been quite lucky over the last few years. It, it gets hard. I think having Betsy now, things change when you become a dad. Yeah, completely. And it might be old-fashioned, and it might be the era, era that I grew up in. But there is that kind of... It's ridiculous, but that, that kind of idea that you have, that you've got to provide. Do you know what I mean? Well, it ceases to become about yourself, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, you've got, 
your priorities change mm. and it's mm. like well I've got to do that because yeah. I've got to make sure I've got that school yeah, uniform yeah, or yeah, I've got exactly. that meal on the yeah, table yeah so I, I, I don't know I, I have been lucky but it's feast or you know it's feast or famine it's a big cliche in it but you've just got to kind of that's why I take on more writing work that's why I because you've just got to keep on you know there's always people coming up behind you there's always the new yeah. you know this, this industry loves the new don't they yeah, and you're only the new for a certain time, amount of time before you can be replaced by the next one. And do you feel a greater sense of control with the playwriting? I think so. Yeah, I mean, depending on what the project is, I'm lucky because most most of my commissions, I can get to write whatever I want, which is good sometimes, and sometimes it's it, sometimes it's not so good because. Yeah, you haven't got any boundaries, so you, I create quite mad worlds and, and everything's quite big and theatrical and complicated. And, um, so that's, that's good. And I, 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 so the play that I'm writing for The Exchange is the first ever adaption of anything I've ever done, which is so I'm adapting Wuthering Heights oh, yeah. for them, um, which is good for me because it, there's a story there and there's, and I know what I've got to do. But, yeah. but there's freedom in it of how I'm going to interpret the story, and you know. And was that your first adaptation? Yeah. Did you did you approach it differently? Um, ha- kind kind of only to the extent that I know what the story is. I, I don't I don't have to create the plot points of A to B to C. It's all there, so it's a little bit easier, but it's also a little bit harder because you want to try and make it your own as well. But with a story, that- yeah. That you know everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, and you know, so, you know, it's a love book in it, and yeah. uh, you know, I think what I'm doing to it, I think if you're going to do an adaption, you set yourself up for a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, you know, you're going to get slated regardless, especially with a book like Wuthering Heights, because people love it as it's in its purity, and when you try and adapt a book to a stage, it's never going to be as pure as 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 its initial source, but um, I think. I think I'm going to get hammered for it. <laughs> Please don't say that, Andy. Well, no. I, 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 but the thing is, with, with anything like that, when books are adapted for mm. the screen, they set themselves up for a hammering. But sometimes if the choices are bold... Yeah. The, the, yeah. Sometimes you go, well, do you know what? It wasn't to my taste, but I can't well, knock it yeah, because well, they went out and, and did it yeah, balls out. I, 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 you know, I don't... I, it doesn't really bother me what, pe- what people think of it. I just... It's about the experience, really. As long as I get... It sounds selfish. As long as I get something out of the adapting of it. I don't think it does sound selfish at all. No, I think yeah. that's exact Because, you know, we speak about this a lot, and certainly do people do on, on the podcast, about the lack of control mm. as an actor. Mm. But that's why I wanted to know about the playwriting mm. process, because you haven't got somebody else breathing down your ear. I mean, of course... Does this happen when you say you, you pop that play into the exchange? Mm. Obviously, they're going to come back with notes for you. Yeah. And um, how do you deal with that? Is it, uh, no, that's what it is, and I'm not changing it? Or... Well, uh, yeah, it's difficult, because everyone, the, the, everyone will give you notes. So my, my writing agent gives me notes, which I properly take, and um, they'll give me notes, and then everyone you give it to to read, you know, another writer you know, that you trust or an actor will give you notes. And it's, there comes a point where you've just got to be really courageous about what you've written. And brave, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've got to take responsibility for it as well. Yeah. Um, 
But I don't know. Yeah, they're cool. And they know what I'm doing with it. I'm, I'm coming at it at a completely different angle at Wuthering Heights. And um, they're cool with that. They're really, they're on board with it. So That's exciting. Yeah. Man. So next year, hopefully, that'll be on. Right. Yeah. Do you ever fall out of love with, with the, the world, with the acting world? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think every, I think all of us do at yeah, some I stage. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's not a fair world. It's not, it, it's, it isn't a fair industry. The best people don't always work all the time, you know, but that's just what it is. It's yeah. just, you know. I suppose it's about acceptance of what it is. Yeah, I just, and if you, if you get to know that I it's that, I just don't then. care that much anymore. I used to really care. It's it's interesting being in this dressing room because there's three other well, there's three young actors. I used to be the young actor in a company like this. Yeah, I'm not anymore. And there's three other young actors who are really very good, but they're totally driven and ambitious and know everything about the business and know every agent who's on that agent's books, who that agent's assistant is. Casting directors, what they're casting, producers, everything. I don't know some of the names they're coming out with. I should know them. I've been doing it for like 20 years. It's just incredible. It's just... And I suppose you have to be like that now. Or you could not care yeah. as much. Well... You, sometimes you've got to let yourself off the hook. Yeah. I, well, you can't control it, can you? No. I, I, that's, that, I think that's the biggest thing I've probably learned is that worrying about where your next job's coming from isn't going to get you anywhere. It's just going to make you more tired and more stressed out. And, you know, it, it's just pointless. You've just, you just... You can't control the business at all until you start writing, and you can control it a little bit then. Andy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. That's a perfect time to leave it. Cheers, buddy. No worries. And there we go. Episode 22 with the brilliant Andy Sheridan is done. I hope you enjoyed it. So chuffed that Andy found time for us and let us into his dressing room when he was on tour. And uh, we had a good natter. I'm thrilled for him about his playwriting. He's, uh, he's He's really inspiring. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. And next week's episode, well... All I can tell you is that there is a link between Andy's episode and episode 23. Yeah? You'll want to tune in. It's another belter. And if you want to know who the guest will be then, you will find out on social media. If you're not following us on social media, then why not? It's where we give you all the updates of what is going on. We are at Two Shot Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to email us, which you know you want to, we love hearing from you. And also remember, let us know about the best bits of your favourite episodes. And we will give you a shout out on the best of episode when it airs in January. Email us at Two Shot pod at gmail.com that's two shot pod at gmail.com we love hearing from you every week uh, we're really grateful for the support that you've all given us uh, you know we're not sponsored we're not part of uh, any sort of larger network 
and uh, yeah, we're grateful with for all the guests that we get on and shuffed to bits that you're joining us. Honestly, you've made our year. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. Thanks a lot. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. This week's episode of the Two Shot Podcast. Well, you know we're not sponsored, we're not part of any larger network, but we are supported this week by hooliganartdealer.com. Okay, what is it you say? Click on it. Are you a big fan of Noel Fielding from the Mighty Boosh? Well, go to hooliganartdealer.com. You could purchase some art to fill your walls and make you smile. Or, indeed, make you a bit scared. Whatever your bag is, go to hooliganartdealer.com, take a look, see if there's something there that tickles you fancy. That's hooliganartdealer.com, who have supported this week's episode of the Two Shot Podcast.